Hey everyone, and welcome to the College Football Rundown. I'm Woj. And I'm Walt. Welcome to the 2020 COVID season, huh, Walt? Oh, the COVID season, baby. I don't like calling it that. I wish it wasn't this way, but I am happy we got some football, Woj. It's coming up. Football coming up. We got some games coming up this weekend we'll cover. Uh, We'll talk about the conferences, who's playing, who's not, what's happening. Uh, and even uh, a new team in, in some of the conferences, which is kind of cool. We'll do our normal daily fantasy. We'll do fan duels this week, and then we'll have our pick 'em. Well, at the end of the season, hopefully uh, I'll come out on top, unlike last season. Which I'm hoping I win. I'm not going to lie to you. I hope you lose. I hope I win this year, like last year. All right. Well, right off the bat, we got to talk about COVID and how it's affecting everything. Um, you know, the biggest thing I thought about when this all went down is, yeah, are we going to play football? We're we not going to play football, but what is the path to get to the next level for a lot of these players? Because even if we do play football, there most of the conferences are doing opt-outs, and and how are these people, or even if they don't too, like how do these kids that need this extra year, how does it balance out, and what do they do as far as taking them to the NFL? What will happen with the draft and things like that? So I mean, those are big question marks, like how to get to the next level. Um, and, you know, the easiest thing to do is to get paid to play in college football like they should be, right, Wall? Well, I disagree with you, Woj. You know this. I don't think players should get paid to play. I think they might, you know, be eligible to get a stipend or something to help them out. But, no, I don't think they should get paid to play. It does come into COVID, though. It's definitely made some changes. I I, I don't know that we can hit on them all, but it does make some changes in, you know, the college football landscape. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is – more people are listening to the players now because people want to see football. Players want to play football. So the players have the attention of all the people that watch college football. Now is their time to really put them up, their foot down and be like, hey, we want to get paid to play this. If we get paid, we're going to play and things like you know of that nature. They really need to be active if they want to pursue that and, and try to get money to play football in college. I think this is the time where they should make a stand because – you know, people are listening more to them than they than they have been in the past. They should. And I mean, I, if they're trying, that's their end goal is obviously get paid, which I don't see why it wouldn't be. This would be a good time to do that. But it comes down to the fact that I think that, you know, the education part of the NCAA should come first. And I know we on this show, we love college football. Which that's what we talk about. And it's kind of come to the you know point where college football is kind of the dog and the you know, the education of the college football players is kind of the tail, you know, and the, and the dog's waving the tail because just college football is so powerful. It makes so much money for these schools. But again, it should come down to the education, which plays a factor in the COVID situation. No, Woj? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, education is a big part of this. Um, but it, it, it is almost horseshit. As, as much as the NCAA puts precedence on these kids are getting their education things like that there are kids out there that are not going to college to get an education they're going there to play football uh in the minor league of the nfl in quotations to go to the nfl like that's their end goal that's their job Uh, here's a perfect example jamie newman who was the wake all-star wake forest quarterback he's a graduate transfer to or or georgia for this season he was probably going to be the starter at georgia opting out because he's just going to go and study and prepare, train, strength train, everything for the draft. He's not even going to go play this year. Um, So he's just going to go get ready for the draft. 
And I mean, that's, I guess you could say he's a graduate student, so he's already got his education, but there's other players that want to do that. And the fact that not all of them can because they're not juniors, I think ultimately is bullshit. I think that rule should be waived this year and anybody that wants to opt out and go into the draft whenever they want should be able to. Well, would you make a good point about him taking the season off? This might be a good opportunity for it. He's going to get in his fitness in top shape. You know, he's going to hire some coaches, I would assume. I haven't looked into it as much as you have, him specifically anyways. I'm sure he's going to hire some coaches, get better draft position, and that's his ultimate goal. But to understand the NCAA, this is one of the reasons why I don't necessarily think that the athletes should get paid is they have the best coaches, non-NFL level, the best coaches in the world coaching in the NCAA. These programs, I mean, some of the top teams, Alabama, Ohio State, a lot of the Big Ten schools, SEC schools on the top, they have facilities that would rival that of NFL teams. So it's not like these kids are going to the NCAA and they're not getting something out of it. Aside from the education aspect, they're also getting premier coaching, premier facilities, premier workout programs, everything. And all, don't forget about the food. Well, that was my favorite part of it, right? Food, man. They, these kids are getting nourishment that they need to perform at the peak of their abilities and ultimately make it into the NFL with those abilities they've learned from college. I mean, most colleges, like you said, have nutritionists and things now too. So that goes all along with the food and, and staying healthy and, and all that good stuff. So, I mean, you do make valid points too, but I mean, ultimately I think the needing to be junior to enter the NFL draft should essentially be waived this year um, just to allow some of these other kids that, you know, don't have that opportunity to sit out this year and enter the draft to, to do that if they would like. So other things that could impact this, the seasons following is we're going to go over all the conferences here in a second, but is, are they going to have a season? Are they going to do a spring season? What does that happen? What makes, what, what impact does that have on next year's season? Cause if they're going to have a spring season, like I know the max having a spring season, their start date for next year is not going to change, I would assume, and their end date is probably not going to be until at least May of, you know, of next year, 2021. So they finish in May 2021, then they turn it right back around. They're going back in August of 2021 for the next season. So that that's just question marks and how everything's going to pan out for next year. No one really knows how are these spring seasons going to work. But, I mean, right off the bat, we have, Teams or conferences playing already. So in ACC is one of them. They're going to have an 11-game football season, 10 conference games and one non-conference game. Uh, they'll begin of September 7th and 12th for all their schedules. And the big note is Notre Dame will be a part of the ACC this year. Well, they'll be eligible for the ACC championship game. They'll be eligible for the ACC bowls. Uh, that includes the Orange Bowl for if they were to win if we do have bowls, that is. And Notre Dame's NBC contract for broadcasting games at home will now be shared with all the other teams as well as Notre Dame being in that whole equally shared television revenue of the ACC. Well, that was a big sticking point for them coming to the ACC. A lot of articles you read mention that. And we, on the show before, mentioned how important those NBC broadcasts are, how much you know income they bring in for Notre Dame. That obviously year over year allows them to remain independent. This year, it wouldn't be a possibility, Woj, you and I know, because half of their schedule was taken off the board, you know, when all these conferences started canceling their games. For example, the Big Ten, Woj, we're not playing football this fall, are we? That's sad. It's sad. 
It is. I mean, we postponed all fall sports, you know, looking into fall sports being played in the spring, I believe, though. That's the last word, no? Yeah, uh, that's the last word we got. President Trump met with Kevin Warren on Tuesday, though, uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten. Uh, and a, a tweet out by President Trump, I don't take, take his tweets with a grain of salt if you'd like, but he said the meeting uh, was went well and he would like to get the Big Ten season started immediately. Um, and the Big Ten uh, currently now has a return to competition task force that is uh, ex- exhausting all options, in quotations. Well, the Big Ten canceling their season was big. You know, when that happened, it, there were a lot of dominoes that fell after it. Obviously, Notre Dame left with no choice, had to find a conference to play, and that's the only way they're going to get games like we were just talking about joining the ACC. But, again, Pac-12 jumped out, which we'll get to them in a little bit. But, you know, not all of the conferences are canceling their games. Some conferences are out there like, to be honest, nothing's really happening. Like the Big 12, they're – they're playing a 10-game 10, 10 football schedule, nine in-conference and one non-conference, Woj. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see that these other conferences got ahead of the game. They made a plan, you know, either not no non-conference games or limited non-conference games, or they get the pick, you know, the, the, the conference has to pick the non-conference games, and um, then they just play within their conference, which, you know, by a lot of these – CDC regulations in in their states is legal or it's part of the guidelines like you can play within your conference so um, I just I'm glad that at least some of these conferences got ahead of the game and, and stepped up and and started putting these regulations out so they could do this well the SEC is one of those conferences they're going to be playing a 10 game football schedule this year 10 conference they're not going to be playing any out of conference and it's left to debate whether there's going to be bowls at all or playoffs if, if there were you'd have to think they're going to allow them to play in that but again time is going to tell all that stuff but the sec season they won't begin till S- september 26th i mean we, we'd be seeing them play this weekend Woj, if not for covid this weekend yeah uh you know big notables as far as their scholarships is a lot of these conferences that are playing are are allowing kids to opt out and still get their full scholarships honored and still remain in good standing with their team if they want to return for the next season or whenever during this season. Um, uh, big notables in the SEC are just LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase and their D-back uh, Cray Vincent, who are both big players in the that LSU team. Um, and I, again, like we talked about earlier with Jamie Newman, there's a, there's a lot of people following suit with this opt-out clause as well. Kind of alluded, bef- I should say I alluded to it before, but the Pac-12 followed the Big Ten, they they completely postponed their fall football season. You know, they, well, you know, watch things can change. So what we're telling you now, this could always change because people seem to, you know, like to change their minds when things happen. But as of now, the Pac-12, you know, they're not going to play anything until after the first of next year. So their fall sports are basically done too. Group of five, Woj, I mean, they're all doing different stuff too. Yeah, uh, American 12-game football season, eight conference games, up to four non-conference games. Uh, it's going to be hard, I think, to fill a four non-conference game schedule, but maybe not. We'll see what what they uh, what they end up with. Um, the conference games are begin to set on September 19th. Wall. Yeah, just a couple weeks away for them. Conference USA, you know, they're going to have the teams play eight conference games on their originally scheduled dates. They're not changing anything as of now. Four conference play. First conference game is scheduled for September 12th. Non-conference games, the schools, they're giving them the option. If they want to play non-conference, they can, but it's at the discretion of the individual school. 
Mac is, uh, we talked about them. They are going to do a fall season. We'll get into, they'll get into giving us what they're going to plan on for scheduling and all that. Once we get to the spring, they're probably not going to have very many people to play against possibly. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Mountain West has postponed all their fall sports and the conference will explore the feasibility of re- rescheduling for the spring. So they might follow suit with the Mac. That only leaves the Sunbelt Woge. They're playing their 12 game football schedule, eight conference up to four non-conference. Hey, Sunbelt, you got to love them. Hey, you do what you want out there. That's what they're telling the teams in their conference. They're going to be playing, you know, this this weekend, Loach. We're going to get to see them play this weekend. That's going to be good. I'm, I'm excited. Now, into that, uh, this week I'm going to be doing a fan duels as far as the fantasy goes. So we usually did draft or fan duel, not fan duels. Um, we usually did DraftKings last season. Uh, so they didn't have their, their schedule out yet i don't know if they're going to do one for this first weekend for a a saturday slate so i wanted to get a saturday slate from FanDuel. they have seven spots instead of the eight on DraftKings. it's a 60k salary instead of the 50 so it's a little bit different FanDuel's as a your FanDuel has a quarterback two running backs three wide receivers and a super flex which is anything can can include a quarterback too which is big uh, because receivers usually what you would take in that slot only get 0.5 points per reception uh, the overall numbers are lower than DraftKings, so the, the numbers aren't as crazy. And the average salary per player is right around $8,570. Uh, and we'll get into kind of the points per dollar, or what you're looking for into that later on in the uh, in the podcast. I bet you're excited, Woj. You get to make some money now, right? We've been sitting out here. We haven't had uh, just – we'll leave aside college football for a little bit. We haven't had much sport, many sports at all to, you know, make some money on, which I, I make a good deal of my money on these sports, which baseball started up. We finally get something. Now we're getting hit with a trifecta. We got baseball. We got basketball. We got tennis going on. Well, you know, I'm a big tennis guy and now college football. So I bet you're happy to get back on FanDuel, back on DraftKings and make some money. I could be wrong, but I'm betting that's what you are. You're happy. That is that is completely true. I'm, I'm excited to get back into fantasy sports, even if it is a four game set on a Saturday of Labor Day, when it's usually like a 12 game slate. But uh, anything is, is good. Anything to start off is good. I'm, I'm glad. So starting things off, Central Kansas 1-0 at UAB 0-0, 7 p.m. on ESPN Networks. Well, Oh, Central Arkansas, I'm sure you meant to say. Central Arkansas is 1-0 and in the year. People are going to be, like, scratching their head. 1-0. and Yeah, they played a game already. They played last week, actually. It was an exciting game. They played Austin PA. It's not an FBS game, so it's not something you'd hear us talk about normally. But um, they ended up beating Austin PA. It was a late touchdown. Exciting game. You know, it was funny. In the beginning of the game, the first thing you heard was a, somebody ripped a touchdown on the, on a rush. It was a pitch option outside. And then as he's running downfield, it must have been one of the officials running with him. And he had his mic on, and he accidentally said, Ah, oh, these damn masks, because he must have lost one of his masks running down the field. But, again, it was exciting to see people get on the field. You know, you see a little different stuff from the games. I'm betting it's going to flow into the FBS games also. You're just going to see a little bit of different kind of, I'll say, how they handle things is going to be a lot different. Watch for it. It's going to affect the lines too. But this game, normally not of great importance, but now it's going to become a bellwether for the NCAA season. Hopefully they can get this game played and no postponements, not a big problem from COVID. One first game on the slate for FanDuel is Eastern Kentucky, who hasn't played a game yet, versus Marshall. That's 12 p.m. on ESPN on Saturday. No line for this game. Not abnormal. Uh, Eastern Kentucky 
and Marshall, just one of those games. One of the guys to look for in this is a running back. I am not going to talk too much about running backs here and out because most of the teams that are in this slate are pass-heavy teams. But Alonzo Booth, the running back from Eastern Kentucky, is only 6800 on FanDuel, which is cheap. Uh, Booth is a TD machine for Eastern Kentucky. He had 140 carries for 14 TDs last season, and he has new blood behind him. There's nobody there that's really had any significant carries whatsoever the last couple of years, especially last year. So he'll be the outright back to, to go to once they get near the end zone, which will be exciting to see. Uh, we'll see how Alonzo does, uh, and at that price point, I, I couldn't pass on that. While there is a Thursday game coming up, that's South Alabama and Southern Mississippi on Thursday at 8 p.m. on CSNBC. Yeah, South Alabama getting 15 over under on this game, 55 and a half. We got a line on this one, Woj, unlike the unfortunately Marshall game we didn't have a line on that we could find anyways. But Southern Mississippi out of the Conference USA, South Alabama from the Sun Belt. We just talked about those two teams when we were doing the rundown. They're playing this weekend. They're allowing their teams to play, I should say. Um, South Alabama coming off a two-win season last year. Whoa, I wouldn't consider that a good record. I don't. I, I'll pose no, the question no. to you: Is that a good record? Not at all. No, it's it's a team that's struggling. It's unfortunate. You know, you don't want a team to have only two wins in the season, but it happens. You know, the other teams they're playing, they're out there to win. They're not going to give them any mercy. But Southern Mississippi, a little more respectable. You know, seven and five record last year. People likely, you know, jumping on this game because it's the first chance to bet, you know, college football to uh, the real lines. Anyways, the first chance they're going to get. So there's going to be some money jumping on this one, but I'm going to stay away from it. I really don't see anything to gain on this. Obviously the line seems like it's priced right over under. I have no idea, but hopefully we can get a good game out of this one. That'd be my hope. Yeah. Uh, any game is good for me, especially in these times. There you go, uh, no, another one, Arkansas state uh, at Memphis. 7 p.m. ESPN on Saturday. This is in the FanDuel slate, and thank God we got an over-under of 73 wall. That's exciting. You know me. Once this starts going over 70, that's exciting. It is. That's that's what you look for, right, Woj? And then you got Memphis minus 19. That's got to give you some hope for some players on their team, though. Oh, for sure. And I, I've liked Memphis players. Uh, implied points for this is Memphis 46, Arkansas State 27. So, you know, points on both sides. I really like Memphis's guys here, though. Uh, and really keen in on him. Uh, DeMonte Koki, the wide receiver from Memphis at 9400 Okay, he's expensive, but he's expensive for a reason. Antonio Gibson's gone uh, to play running back, of all things. Who He was a wide receiver from Memphis last season, kind of shared a lot of the reps with uh, DeMonte. But he is now a running back for Washington in the NFL. It's kind of weird, but nevertheless, he is, uh, he is gone, uh, and Koki is the only one left kind of to really – haul in a lot of the, all the the high tempo offense they throw at him uh, he's looking for his third year in a row with over 70 catches for a thousand over a thousand yards which would be impressive for anybody in college football uh, we took him a few times last year and made huge bank uh, on DraftKings. on week 10 he scored 36.3 points at 5800 on DraftKings. in week 14 he scored 29.5 points at 6300 uh, that's $186.5 a point, and 250 is value um, just from those two weeks on DraftKings. So he made huge, huge money for us last uh, last season in DraftKings and was big in those rosters. So hopefully he can keep that going. He's a good wide receiver to have, I believe, into this contest. Uh, and to match up with that, Brady White. 
QB from Memphis. He's the guy that's going to be throwing him the ball. He's 9,500. Uh, and I'll talk about it in a second, but Kenny Gainwell, the, the running back for them, is gone. And Ryan Silverfield, he's the new head coach for them. Um, he are, knows what he already has in white and his receiving core. So I, I feel like he's going to put a lot of – a lot of his money into that basket, a lot of his eggs in that basket, and and push on White to be a big quarterback this year. I think he's attractive at that price point, and I'll talk more about why he might not be the top pick this weekend as far as quarterback, but he is definitely a go-to quarterback. Wouldn't be a bad idea in anybody's lineup this weekend. Another big part about this uh, this matchup is Kenny Gainwell, which we just talked about. He opted out for the 2020 season. Uh, he was a huge part of that Memphis offense and just basically a beast running back in college football last year. Am I wrong, Walt? You are not wrong about that, Woj. He is a beast. That is well described. Yeah, not only catching passes, running, he was a large part of their offense, and he will be opting out. Uh, and there is a slew of running backs to take his place. Uh, there's two transfers, Asa Martin and Kylan Granberry, as well as a sophomore that's been there, uh, Rodriguez Clark and junior Kalen Watkins, uh, and they'll fight for carries. I think all four of them will kind of fight for carries. I would look for Watkins to be the guy that's going to be the front runner in that. He'll be 8,700 on DraftKings or on FanDuel's FanDuel uh, this weekend probably not something I would touch just because, again, there's question marks there. They got a first-year coach in Ryan Silverfield, who was the assistant last year and was moved up. You know, he knows, again, what he has already in the quarterback in the wide receiving core. So I would stay away from the running backs and just kind of keep an eye on it, see who ends up being the front runner. But as of now, Watkins looks like it's going to be the guy. But at 8,700, I'm not going to risk anything on that. While we got Middle Tennessee playing Army Saturday, 1230 on CBSN. CBS Sports Network, Woj. Sorry, you caught me off guard there a little bit. I was writing down these names. I was writing down Coxy White, and I got to put on my team, make some money off your picks. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I love the service academies. Always love looking at their lines. This game, Army, minus three and a half. They're the favorite, baby. Over under 54 and a half. You know, Army is a very conservative team as it is you know, every week, week in and week out, Woj. But a lot of teams, they're very conservative week one, especially. Let's leave aside Lane Kiffin. You know, he's over there on Ole Miss now. Look at their game, first game they play. But the most teams are very conservative. Last year, especially so, they played Rice, Army did. They ran the ball 56 times, and they passed the ball eight times, Woj. There was three completions there, three for eight on passing, out of against 56 runs. I mean, this is a clock control game. Middle Tennessee coach, Rick, uh, Rick Stock still, he's a good coach. You know, he's going to need to perform after having some success before past few years. Last year, though, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Woj, he shit the bed. Four and eight record after coming off of winning records a few years before. They played some tough teams. They played our boys, Iowa. You know who won that game, Woj? Oh, I'm well aware. We won 43 to six, I think. Dang, they got a six on us? Are you kidding me? I must be misremembering the score. In my head, it was zero. So, But they played Iowa, Michigan, Florida Atlantic. You know, those are good teams. Four and eight record, though, you know, Stockstill's got to do something this year. You know, I, I I look for teams to find themselves early in this game, Woj. You know, they got to see how they're doing, feel it out a little bit. Again, going back to that conservative play. Under 54 and a half, something I'm probably looking at. 
you know, you risk being blown up by the defensive coverages or assignments being broken, uh, especially considering the less than normal prep time for these teams with the COVID environment. I know um, Army especially was having trouble getting in and doing practice season because they are a service academy. They have a lot stricter rules than a lot of these other schools have to follow. So you do risk that blown defensive coverage just from a lack of practice, but I'd definitely be looking at the under on 54 and a half in this game. Yeah, correction, Wall is 48 to 3, Iowa. Hawkeyes over oh, Middle Tennessee. That's better, yeah. That's better, but it's still not good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to watch. So I don't get me wrong. I like watching Army, but I'm watching this game for a different reason. And it's because it's got one of the most electrifying play, players in college football. And it's not just that he's just so good at what he does. It, it's not like he's you know, sunshine out there throwing the ball downfield that just looks like a, it, there's just a, a rainbow following the golf, the football or something like that. This guy is just kind of does it all. He is the team. He's Middle Tennessee's team. His name is Asher O'Hare. He's the quarterback. And he's on FanDuel this weekend at 10,000, I think the second uh, highest salaried player. Uh, he is the one-man army trying to beat army. Uh, in 2019, he completed 210 passes and rushed 199 times. So not only is he the number one passer, he is the number one rusher by a long shot. Um, the only thing that really shut him down last year was Iowa. He only got 7.7 points uh, last year against us, but still put up 24.9 points against a tough Michigan defense. Uh, so he can do it against the tougher teams. Uh, you know, the only thing that he needs to stop, watch out for here is the, the Army time of possession game because uh, they're just going to try to keep the ball out of his hands. Uh, but he could have a good game. Just has to watch out to make sure Army doesn't hog the ball on him. <laughs> That's a lot of scratch, Woj. That's a lot of scratch for one player, but you're putting him down. He's going on my list. <laughs> All right. Another game, we got SMU at Texas State. Uh, 3.30 on ESPN. This is another one of those FanDuel games in the slate. SMU's given 22, over-under of 70 like that. SMU's implied points of 45, Texas State 25. Uh, a lot of good players in this one. Huge uh, numbers possible from a lot of players. Biggest one is Shane Buscelli, the quarterback from SMU. And this is the most expensive player on the FanDuel lineup. He's at 10700 uh, he finished sixth in the nation in passing last year uh, with the SMU offense and how high potent it can be, and we've seen it last year. Uh, his ceiling is definitely high in any given week. Uh, I like him for the highest quarterback point total of the weekend, but again, it comes at a large price. Uh, so you kind of got to pick your battles there and find out what, who you would like to take. We talked about Brady White earlier at a little bit better price point at 9500 probably won't fall too far behind what Shane will uh, this weekend. So just keep that in mind. A couple of guys to throw out there, though, other than him, are Reggie Robinson, the wide receiver from uh, SMU. He's at 9,200. Uh, Value-wise, this is a player you want in that price range. Uh, 20 points uh, for even value, which is 8,000, uh, what is it? 8,570 is kind of what you're looking for at that value. At 9,200, if we could get 24 points or 23 points, that'd be good. Problem is he only did that three times last year, Wall. But the reason is James Prochet was there, probably one of the best wide receivers in college football last year, arguably in in the top three, uh, maybe in the top five. 
Um, with him gone, Robinson's going to be the highest targeted receiver on that team by far. He's going to get a lot of Prochet's passes. So I would look to him to skyrocket this year. I feel like 9,200 is a good steal for him this early in the season with Prochet gone. So I like him. Another one, Kendrick James, wide receiver from SMU at 4,000. He's cheap but risky. He was a chancellor from Alabama and requested this or required he was required to sit out a year last year, so he's been in the program for a year. He knows what's going on. Uh, apparently in practices and training camp, he's clicking well with the offense and ready to go and ready to have a big year. Question is, will they utilize him more as a tight end or a wide receiver? SMU already has a all-star tight end in Kalen Granson. Uh, so in in he was Kendrick James was listed as a tight end coming from Alabama, but I think they've moved him into that wide receiver role. It's just one of those things to watch out for. I don't know if I'd pick him up for this weekend. If you need to fill in a $4,000 spot, which is the very cheap end on FanDuel, take him for a risk. But if you don't have to throw that risk out there, don't do it. Just keep an eye on him, see what, his, what he does this week, and then take a look at his value for next week. Last one in this matchup is Brady McBride, the quarterback from Texas State. He's 7,200. He's a wild card here. Uh, the, as the only collegiate action he's seen is, is in 2018 as a true freshman at Memphis. <laughs> uh, he beat out last year's starter, though, Tyler Vitt. And Tyler Vitt uh, ended the season with really good numbers, multiple 30-point games. So if he's playing good, well enough to – Beat out Tyler Vitt straight up. This was back in spring that they decided this. Uh, he might be worth the money at 7,200, and this is going to be a high-scoring game. So they're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to be down. Um, it's a good price point for a wild card in that super flex spot uh, if you have the cap space. So uh, we'll see how that goes uh, this week. That's all I have for the fan duel action. But we do have one more game on the list here. It's a Monday night game while BYU at Navy. Well, should we get one? I'll call it high profile because this is a high profile game to me, especially this weekend. It's high profile and it's going to definitely be the highest profile of this. You know, we're going to put in quotes, quote unquote, opening weekend. But BYU minus two in this game over under a 52 and a half. I know you don't get your rocks off on a 52 and a half, Woj, but this is the kind of game I like. BYU is coming off a good season, seven and five last year, played four ranked teams. I watched a lot of their games. You know, I. I think they're a good team. Tough loss. Tough loss, Woj, in that white bowl. Why well, took some of my money on that one. But still, they played a good season. Tough loss, like I said, last game in their bowl game. But BYU needs to pick up its pass defense this year. They need to anchor down. I'm sure that's what they've been working on in the limited time they've had in the offseason. But Navy coming off a very good season also. This is a service academy I'm talking about right here, Woj. 10 and 2. Their losses? Notre Dame and Memphis. If those aren't two good teams, I don't know what two good teams are because those are good losses for a team like Navy to have. And that was the only ones they had last year. Nine and three against the spread last year, Navy was. What that tells you, these service teams are really not getting any respect, which they normally don't. And that's why I like to look at their lines because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a little edge, you know, where the handicappers aren't giving them the correct respect. But over the last six years, as a case in point, basically, Navy's 12 and 8 against the spread in September. September, what does that mean? That means it's the beginning of the season. The lines are a little less statistical based early in the year. Obviously, there's not as many stats, right? Well, that's how it works. Yeah. Well, 
the way they set their lines is a little bit more off a of perception. So now you're looking at, you know, where are they getting this wrong? Where is the bias at? If you look at that 12 and 8 against the spread in September, that tells you where the bias is. It's against Navy, it's against Navy's opponents, really. That's that's where they're putting their bias. But Malcolm Perry, he's on the Dolphins now, but Dallin Moore's expected to take over, retain that quarterback talent for Navy. He can also bring in a deep threat to the uh, Navy offense. You know, that deep pass, he brings that. Where Malcolm Perry, great athlete. Obviously, he's in the NFL now. He was a great, is a great athlete, but he didn't have that deep option that they expect Morris to be able to bring. You know, getting two points for a team that will come in more disciplined in a season where discipline really matters with their short preparation and not getting love from the lines makers. This is something I'm definitely looking at, Woj. I'm really looking at that Navy plus two. Uh, Navy's a good team. They played well last year. Surprised a lot of people with a lot of the games they played. So um, I'm not surprised with, with that. Well, that leads me into the Wojen Wall Pick'em Wall. And who are you taking? Well, I'll piggyback off of that, Woj. I'm going to take Navy, you know. They're actually, they've moved between two and two and a half right now. We got them at two and a half. So I'm going to take Navy plus two and a half. All right, the midshipmen, two, two and a half. Uh, I'm going to take, and this is probably not the best idea for this because I really want to win, but a guy I really want to watch and a game I really want to watch is Asher O'Hara, the QB from Middle Tennessee. I want to see how he he assembles himself as the one-man army versus the army. And I'm going to take Middle Tennessee State getting three and a half, Wall. Hey, let's bring it, Woj. Let's bring it. Let's look forward to a good 2019-20 college football season. Here, here. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can catch us on Twitter at WWCFB. Our Instagram's college underscore football underscore rundown. Our website, which you can get all our podcasts and information and contact me and Kyle on, is collegefootballrundown.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm Woj. I'm Walt. And this was the College Football Rundown. We're out. <laughs>